What's going on, New York Giants fans? Atlanta 17, New York Giants 14. If you guys haven't already, hit that like button, comment, subscribe, turn on post notifications so you know when a live stream pops video drops if you're on YouTube. Uh, only 34, 35% of you guys are subscribed, the ones that are viewing the videos, so please, it helps out the channel. Uh, you guys receive great content, you get notified about the great content, please subscribe. It helps out a lot, and we give it back to you guys, and we engage with the viewers, unlike a lot of other channels. If you're on Spotify, Podbean, follow the podcast. It's probably going to be a Tuesday, Saturday thing from now on. With game previews and stuff like that, um, we'll probably have a couple announcements coming within a couple of weeks because I want to do stuff Yankees, but I also don't want it interfering with the Giants. And, you know, but then again, the Giants suck. And let's start with that. This was a totally winnable game. This was the easiest game on their schedule. And I'm not talking, oh, this part of the season. No, this was the easiest game the Giants had all season. And they fucking blew it. They blew it. Let's just be honest here. And there's a lot of stuff we're going to go into. Some of it being the same, some of it being different. The pyramid of blame is the one that I'm almost ready to do. And I'm going to be ready at the end, but um, you're not going to get any full-sided story that is unbiased from any other content creator, with all due respect. Because there's a lot of guys and gals blaming... Two people, and they're not blaming this side of the argument, and then they're blaming that side of the argument, but not they're blaming this side of the argument. They're not bringing up the all, all the points. But the pyramid of blame is definitely what you're going to hear, and it's going to be the truth. It's it's going to be the truth at the end of the video, but I do want to give a quick shout-out to Authentic. Um, I was tweeting early Monday morning, and I was making some points, and uh, he agreed with me. He said, you know, Big Blue in the Bronx is a very rational uh, content creator and fan and that you know he always keeps his word and stuff like that so shout out to authentic man he he does some great content if you guys haven't already go check out uh, authentic and the beard they do some great content over there uh they live stream every tuesday and thursday he also does some giant overreactions but opening thoughts man everybody deserves blame everybody this whole entire season has been about everybody deserving the blame, getting a piece of the blame pie. There is nobody that's not at fault at this point. Individual players are exempt. And I'm not even saying, oh, the defense is exempt. Oh, the offense is exempt. No, everybody is part of the blame pie. Everybody gets a slice of it. But there are very few players, in my opinion, that are not a part of the blame pie. Or at least that don't deserve a slice of it. Daniel Jones is one of those players. <laughs> if you want to consider Eli not a part of it, sure. Because he's been screwed over by this organization for the past couple of years. And on his day, they don't even win? That's classic Giants, you know, mediocrity for you guys. I mean, it doesn't get any better than that. Or in this case, if you want to be realistic, it doesn't get any worse than that, right? Um, there are a couple of players I'll name a little later on, but everybody deserves blame. Dave Gettleman, John Mara, who apparently kicked cans after the field goal. Joe Judge, who hasn't been getting a lot of blame, to be honest with you. If I've seen, you know, YouTube videos and all this other stuff, there's not really been much of a uh, outrage towards him. I'm going to be honest. That's what I've been seeing. 
A lot of people are blaming just Gettleman and Garrett, and they deserve blame, you know. Gettleman put this roster together. Garrett's been uh, administering the playbook and calling the plays, which he really didn't do a good job of on Sunday. But Joe Judge, man, there's a lot to, there's a lot to blame there. Patrick Graham. The defense, it looked better, but not to our expectations, right? The 2020 defense would have stopped Atlanta on the final drive. And I'm not saying that's totally his fault, but there were individual plays where the defense just wasn't there. Too many stupid mistakes, and it falls on Joe Judge as a head coach. It does. And he's Aaron Boone with a winning record. And Aaron Boone really didn't promise as much as Joe Judge did about the playing aggressive and all this other stuff. So I kind of have to give Boone credit there, at least from what I've seen. I mean, I don't really pay attention to his press conferences. But Joe Judge is Aaron Boone without a winning record. And that's upsetting. That's upsetting because we all we had this hype in him. We had this faith in him. Oh, he's going to be you know, going to Canton. He's going to win a Super Bowl for the New York Giants. He's the next Tom Coughlin. All of that has gone to shit. All of that has gone to shit. And when we go to the Pyramid of Blame later on, we're going to talk about possibly what the season could look like towards the end and what I want to happen. And I understand, you know, I'm not in the front office and everything else like that, but what I want to happen because I feel like they shouldn't get rid of some players, but they should get rid of some players, you know. In terms of the stats, Daniel Jones, very good day, despite not passing a touchdown. Daniel Jones, 24 for 35, 266 yards. Sacked twice, a quarterback rating of 53.8, but a pass rate of 90.9. Matt Ryan, on the other hand, 27 for 36, 243 yards, two touchdowns. Sacked three times, though the pressure barely got to him. You know, I mean, it's just, it's just a stat sheet, but barely any pass rush. And when there was pass rush, it was probably on blisses. In terms of the running game, Really not much of anything for the New York Giants and the Atlanta Falcons. Giants had 100 rushing yards, but they had 3.7 yards per carry as a team. That's not good. Uh, Daniel Jones was the second leading rusher, surprisingly not the lead rusher. Uh, eight carries, 39 yards. His longest run was 12 yards, which I believe was a first down. Saquon Barkley, 16 carries, 51 yards, 3.2 yards per carry, and a touchdown. I like the touchdown. Hopefully, in the next couple of weeks, I'm saying hopefully, being somewhat optimistic about it, I don't, I don't think it's going to happen. But uh, hopefully, Saquon Barkley gets his shit together because I understand, you know, the offensive line's not blocking. He's coming off an ACL injury, but he's running scared. He's looking like Trent Richardson and some of the other bust running backs. And if you guys watch my live stream on, on Sunday night, I basically went over the fact that Saquon Barkley was the wrong pick. And I hate to second guess. I hate to talk about that shit. But this is this is where it comes to light. In terms of their running game, Cordero Patterson, you know, was effective in both the running game and the passing game, though the stats don't necessarily show it. Uh, he had seven carries for 20 yards. Mike Davis, he had 12 carries for 50 yards. That's about 4.2 yards per carry. So not much in both running games. But in terms of the passing game, that was very heavy. Kenny Galladay had four receptions, 64 yards. Mostly on curls, of course. Uh, Colin Johnson had five receptions, 51 yards. He was very impressive. And it's kind of sad, really, that they're not getting Tony involved. But Colin Johnson, who's been here for 
two, three weeks now, is getting more receptions and more attention. So I don't know what the hell they're doing in the game plan. I don't know what the hell they're doing in terms of uh, just, I don't know. I'm rambling at this point. Saquon Barkley did have six receptions, 43 yards. Uh, two of them, three of them were screens. That's where they like to use Saquon Barkley. Uh, Evan Ingram, why Giants fans even gave him a fourth chance, a fifth chance, just boggles my mind. Boggles my mind because on his first reception, bam, fumble. I'm like, you can't make this shit up, can you? And people are saying, oh, well, it's the scheme and this, that, and you. It's not the scheme. You know, you could argue, yeah, most of the turnovers came in Jason Garrett's scheme and however you want to blame it. But he has not been on the field. He has not been healthy. He had one season in his entire career this far, thus far, uh, where he's been healthy for the whole season. That was last year, and he was shit last year. So, bye-bye Evan Ingram. Trade him at the deadline. I've been done with him. Uh, I wanted to see some encouragement. Didn't see that. Didn't see that at all. Sterling Shepard got injured along with Darius Slayton. Uh, Shepard had two receptions for 16 yards. Slayton had a reception for eight yards. I think that actually turned into a first down or pretty close to it. You take a look at the receiving game for Atlanta. Cordero Patterson, he had a big day in the receiving game. Six receptions, 82 yards. Calvin Ridley, he was silent but silent but deadly at times. Eight receptions, 61 yards. Uh, Kyle Pitts, who pretty much was the killer in the end, he was the knife in the back. He was the nail in the coffin at the end on defense uh, in terms of, like, the safeties covering him. Jabril Peppers was, of course, assigned to him. Uh, he had that final reception. I think it was, like, 25 yards. Two receptions, 35 yards on the day. Olamide Zacchaeus, he had a touchdown. Silent killer again. Three receptions, 32 yards. Davis, out of the backfield, had four receptions, 20 yards. Lee Smith had a touchdown. Uh, three receptions, seven yards, so... Um, in terms of the fumbles, we all know Evan Ingram fumbled. Isaiah Oliver did recover it. He had a nice strip. I'll give him that. But, you know, Evan Ingram fumbling the football. That's why I said, you know, at the beginning of the year, I'm not hyping Evan Ingram. I'm not putting any emphasis around him. I'm not. Because he's disappointed us way too many times. And I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. I don't want to be right. But I'm not surprised at the same time. Uh, Dale Jones fumbled twice. Um... None of them were turnovers, luckily enough. One of them I do blame on him because he should have recognized that there was pressure coming from the right side. I mean, uh, one people, one thing that people are just not blaming on Joe Judge, or at least emphasizing at this point in the game, they're talking about Gettleman, and listen, it's not wrong, but uh, Nate Solder starting over Matt Parrott. And Matt Parrott, how worse can he be? A, B, this is one of the worst defenses in the league. How do you not start him? If you're not going to start him against Atlanta, you might as well just trade him or release him. Because it's getting ridiculous at this point. You know, I understand just a little bit of the mentality of, oh, rotational uh, guys, you know, uh, not playing totally against Denver. I don't know why I didn't play him against Washington, but you don't play him against Atlanta? It just sickens me. It just sickens me because he, in my opinion, had the tools to eventually become a starting right tackle. Maybe I'm wrong in that aspect. Maybe I was just blind. But... The fact that Joe Judge is not playing him and he keeps playing Nate Solder, I don't know what the obligation is. I don't. Because when you're 0-3 and you're expected to be a winning team, I don't understand you know, why you're not putting in Matt Parrott, right? They had Quincy Roche active. Or Darius Williams playing cornerback. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. But give Matt Parrott a shot. 
You drafted him in the third round of 2020. If you're not going to play him, what was the, you know, confidence for? You know, Joe Judge said coming into the year when the Giants didn't draft any offensive linemen. Well, we have confidence in our guys. Really? Because how come Matt Parrott's not playing right now? He had one or two bad snaps against the Broncos and that's it? Come on. That, that It's stupid. It's stupid. But anyway, the other one was a bad snap by Billy Price. I mean, Price has just been horrible, but apparently he did good according to PFF. You know, that's how much I trust them, right? Uh, I'll give credits to one man. And I'll get into this as we go into the more stats. Aziz Ojolari, uh, he forced a fumble on Matt Ryan, and Lorenzo Carter recovered it, so good for him there. In terms of the defensive stats, I'll get to that right now. Uh, Tay Crowder, once Blake Martinez came off the field, and that's just terrible. He tore his ACL. I kind of knew it was a season-ending injury, unfortunately. I mean, I don't have, you know, the, the stuff in the locker room like the beat reporters do, but... Non-contact injuries that are usually knee injuries are not are not great. You know they're not they're not good to look at. Basically, it's not a good sign. And I kind of knew at that point. Okay, Blake Martinez is done for the year. Jake Crowder though, he did a good job despite you know getting uh, screamed at by Patrick Graham on a useless timeout. He made eleven tackles and he stepped up. He stepped up to the plate, and I think he can actually step up to the plate in future games. If this defense continues to play like this, um, not giving up touchdowns and having pass interference penalties and not giving up big receptions to tight ends, you know, that stuff. Larry Williams, he did have a sack and a quarterback hit, but really didn't show up for most of the game. I mean, I didn't see any pressures. Uh, Austin Johnson, he got a sack. He's been okay. Danny Shelton, I mean, I'm more useful than Danny Shelton. He's been garbage. Aziz Ojolari. One quarterback hit, one sack, three tackles. You know, uh, he's been trying. He's been trying. And it's unfortunate to say, and I know I sound like a boomer when I say this, but when it comes to the young players that are not receiving anything on their contracts, they're playing their heart out. But when it comes to the guys that have been on this team for a while and they're looking to receive a payday or if they already got a payday, they're not playing. Logan Ryan hasn't been really making any plays. Dory Jackson had a drop in the end zone. Logan Ryan had two drops. All could have been interceptions. All could have been interceptions. But fundamentals, right? Yeah, totally, yeah. Anyway, in terms of the Atlanta defense, they got the Daniel Jones twice. They hit him five times. You know, it wasn't bad, but, you know, it's not a future offensive line that we can stick with. It's not something we could be comfortable with. You know, it's something we could be okay with. I don't mean to put it as like, oh my God, they're the worst offensive line in the league. But, you know, under the circumstances, they're okay. They're not great. I mean, Ben Bradison absolutely got torched by Grady Jarrett on the sack of Daniel Jones in the red zone. And that's what ultimately killed that drive. It was second and 10, and then it was like third and like 21 or something like that. Uh, Grady Jarrett had a sack. Dante Fowler had a sack. That was the strip sack uh, where he got Daniel Jones. Nate Solder obviously doesn't know how to block. I mean, you know, if it was Khalil Mack, I would understand, but Dante Fowler's been good two of the, like, six years, seven years he's been in the league. And he's known as a bust. So, I don't know how you give up a sack to him. I just don't. I don't know how you give up a sack to him. They also had eight pass deflections, so I guess they're, you know, cornerbacks were being very physical in that aspect. If you want to talk about team stats, 
Here they are. Uh, the Giants had 21 first downs. The Falcons had 18. Each team had 12 passing first downs. The Giants had 7 rushing first downs. Uh, the Falcons had 3. Each team had first downs from penalties. The Falcons had 3, so that's a killer. And the Giants had 2. In terms of third down efficiency... The Giants were 7 for 14, that's about 50%, so slightly better than the Falcons, who were 5 for 13. No fourth down efficiency, even though Joe Judge should have went for it on the Atlanta 39-yard line, when I believe at that point they were down, I think it was 7 to, no, it was 6-7, something like that. But the Giants were down, they should have went for it, and, you know, uh, Joe Judge, aggressive, right? No, not aggressive. Giants ran five more total plays, 64 to 59 in terms of total yards. The Giants had about, let me do the math here, they had about 50 more total yards, 346 to 296. Each team had 10 drives. The Giants had 0.4 yards more per play, 5.4 to 5.0. In terms of passing, we already went over that. In terms of rushing, we already went over that. In terms of the red zone, the Giants were one for three. Uh, Atlanta made their opportunities uh you know, well-known, I should say, for lack of better words. They were two for two. Giants had eight penalties for 53 yards, something we'll go over in just a minute. In terms of Atlanta, they had four penalties for 28 yards, so ultimately cut that in half. Not good. Each team had a turnover. In terms of time of possession, the Giants had 31-51, and then Atlanta Falcons had 28-09. So ultimately, the Giants led in time of possession the last two games, and they still cannot execute which unfortunately is the case. So let's look at key plays before we get to penalties. Darius Williams extends the Falcons drive with a pass interference penalty. It only got the Falcons two yards, but it was an extra first down. It was just as the game began. I thought it was a bullshit penalty, if you ask me. I thought he arrived there when the ball arrived there, you know, made a nice physical play. But just to remark, I thought the refs were pretty shitty, you know, for lack of better words. Uh, there was a couple times Daniel Jones was pushed out of bounds, and the play was out of bounds. So, like, he stepped out of bounds, and they would push him, but the refs didn't call it. You know, Adrian Hill, he has, him and his crew should be sent to space. Um, they should be sent to, like, Pluto or something. You know, this is this is terrible. I mean, he's terrible. Uh, the crew last week was terrible, but it has to be on the team. You know, the refs are not the reason we lost. The Giants are the reason the Giants lost, you know. Uh, Blake Martinez suffers knee injury on Cordell Patterson. I feel like we're waiting on the memes that will say that Cordell Patterson actually broke Blake Martinez's ankles. But the truth is, Martinez did tear his ACL, and he's out for the season. So, take Crowder. Time for you to come in. But, uh, when the Giants got the ball back, Billy Price, he backs up the drive a couple of yards with a holding penalty. Can't happen. Can't happen. Uh, Billy Price apparently played better this week, but he cost the Giants with, I think, two penalties. Something like that. Uh, the Giants found C.J. Board. I should say Daniel Jones found C.J. Board on the sideline for a 38-yard pass play going down to the Atlanta 22. Then, I think two plays later, as I mentioned earlier, Grady Jarrett kills the momentum and beats Ben Bradison inside for an 11-yard sack. And they couldn't get out of their own way. They couldn't get out of that hole, and they end up kicking a field goal. And then... When the Giants punted it later on, what happens? Gary Brightwell with an unnecessary roughness penalty. He hit the returner in the head. I think it was Patterson or Keith Smith. But uh, whoever was back there fielding the punt, Gary Brightwell pretty much extended your drive. 
or it might have been a kickoff. I think it was actually the ensuing kickoff. So, uh, in terms of the second quarter, Daniel Jones finds Kadarius Tony on a crosser, zigzags for extra yak. Uh, that was with 12:32 in the second quarter to go, a nine-yard gain. Great job uh, finding Kadarius Tony. I wish they would do that more often. And I know there's obviously character issues surrounding him about his rapping career and all this stuff on social media. But, uh, you know, he made a nice play there. I want them to get him involved. And even if he does have character issues in the future, I don't want it to be a wasted opportunity, you know. I want something to actually come out of this that is good, you know. Um, so, a couple plays later, Billy Price and Daniel Jones don't communicate well. Jones botches the snap, loses 11 yards, and that basically kills the drive. That's that's not good. Not good. Kills the drive. These stupid plays, whether it's sacks, it's penalties, it's fumbled snaps, they kill the drive. And this is the shit that Joe Judge, you know, fundamentals, right? Uh, fundamentals, getting the snaps right, uh, you know, not committing penalties, something they didn't do last year. They didn't commit a lot of penalties. This year, they're probably among the league leaders in penalties. Uh, with about four minutes to go, and this has significance to the time, Joe Judge challenges an incomplete pass intended for Olamide Zucchaeus. Um, I don't get that. I don't get that at all, honestly. Like, you know, obviously it, he didn't have the ball enough to claim he controlled the ball, and it ended up, you know, and it ended up being called an incomplete pass, which is which is totally understandable. Joe Judge wasting a timeout, you know, pissing it away which is not good. Um, and what can I say? This is a rookie mistake, and he's making it in his second year. You know, we all blame Daniel Jones last year for making rookie mistakes in his second year, his third year, which is understandable, but you got to have the same critique for Joe Judge. And then a couple plays later, C.J. Board, you know, when they're in their own end zone, is called for offensive pass interference, nullifies a 15-yard pass play. Then, of course, they punt the football, Xavier McKinney called for an unnecessary roughness penalty after a 14-yard pass to Olamide Zucchaeus. Three plays later, Matt Ryan tosses a touchdown to Zucchaeus, and it's 7-6 from there. Um, in terms of the unnecessary roughness penalty, it can't happen. It wasn't a good call, but it can't happen. You know, even those big plays downfield can't happen. And once again, that's what the defense did wrong. Some explosive plays when the offense was turned up for the Falcons and they went no huddle. Giants couldn't stop them. They couldn't stop a nosebleed. So, 7-6 um, from there. Then the Giants on the way back. They had one timeout, which is, once again, due to Joe Judge. They called an offensive timeout uh, between the Joe Judge challenge and the end of the half. So, obviously, it was a waste there. The Giants had one timeout. Then Evan Ingram makes his quota and fumbles. Uh, it was second and 10, 13-yard pass play. But Isaiah Oliver, you know, it's like taking candy from a baby. You know, it's taking the football from Evan Ingram, if you want to put it into football terms. But uh, this is why I didn't hype him. But I'll give credit to this guy, Aziz Ojolari. He forces a strip sack on Matt Ryan with about 14 seconds ago. It counts down to seven seconds. The Giants end up kneeling it because they don't have enough timeouts. They don't have enough field position. So it's ultimately going as a nothing burger. But the defense that time... Stopped Matt Ryan and they forced a turnover, which once again would go to nothing, but at least I'll give him the credit there. So in the third quarter, Leonard Williams actually shows up for one play and records a sack. A six-yard loss from the Atlanta 16 to the Atlanta 10. 
Ensuing drive, another penalty. Will Hernandez, this is on a screen, by the way, so I don't know how you screw that up. Will Hernandez commits an ineligible uh, downfield penalty, five yards. It was a 15-yard pass play that was nullified, so that could possibly have gotten the offense started. It didn't because, well, you know, Will Hernandez had to commit a penalty. And someone said this, and I believe it, and we'll talk about this more at the end. Anyone in the 2018 draft class does not deserve a lengthy extension. They don't. They don't. We'll talk about that at the end, though. Um, on a incomplete pass to Colin Johnson that was down the right sideline, which I thought Daniel Jones did overthrow. Um, but Colin Johnson, you know, he had a good game. Ben Bradison commits holding penalty. In my personal opinion, any head coach in the National Football League would have accepted that, and it would have been a third and like 13. But they declined it, and the Giants wholeheartedly missed an opportunity to go for it. Joe Judge missed an opportunity to go for it, and he, you know, they punted. They didn't even try a field goal, which honestly would have helped them, because a field goal was a difference in the game. They had no turnovers in the red zone, none of the stuff like that. They did have the turnover, obviously, the Evan Ingram thing. But no interceptions in the red zone, no turnovers in the red zone, no turnovers even on the Atlanta side of the field. So you can't say, well, you know, turnovers, this, any other thing. No. A field goal would have tied the game in essence. You know, it would have made a difference in my opinion. Because a lot of things would have changed for, you know, to be very bland about it for lack of better words, right? Um, but I don't understand how you don't go for it. Fourth and three. You're on their territory. The defense was playing up to the competition. Or I should say they were playing, you know, very well until the last drive. But we'll talk about that. So, Joe Judge not being aggressive, right? Then, after they gave it away, the Giants got the ball back. And they actually got a touchdown uh, in the fourth quarter. But there were a couple of good plays leading to that. A short pass to Saquon Barkley. A pass to Colin Johnson. A couple of key plays there. Um, Kenny Galladay connection for 16 yards. And something I like that a lot of people wouldn't reflect on. And this has nothing to do with Jason Garrett in my opinion. But I like the way that Daniel Jones and Kenny Galladay connected. In the sense of drawing penalties. Because this happened twice. Daniel Jones ultimately in my opinion had no shot of completing the pass in the end zone. Shortly before the Saquon touchdown, the two-point conversion, we'll get that in a second. I like that aggressiveness. Now, in my opinion, Kennedy Galladay had no chance of catching that. I thought the corner had him beat. However, the corner was holding him and was not facing the ball. He was not facing the quarterback. So ultimately, that's a pass interference defense. That's drawing the penalty. That's getting the Giants at the one-yard line. And then Saquon Barkley scores his first rushing touchdown uh, with about 12.53 to go. And Daniel Jones... Trucks Grady Jarrett and scores a two-point conversion. In my opinion, that's a Lamar Jackson-like play call. That's one of the plays that the Ravens run. Now, I'm not saying that Lamar Jackson is worse than Daniel Jones or Daniel Jones is better than Lamar Jackson, but it also pissed me off that there was no read option. There was no run play action. There was no run pass option, excuse me, but there was there was nothing like that. It was all curls. Same basic shit from last year, unfortunately. But also the execution was poor with how many penalties there were, right? So, a big drive for the Falcons. You know, they responded very quickly and adamantly. Passed to Kyle Pitts for 10 yards. 
Then Cordell Patterson had a 26-yard reception. Then, you know, short running plays, short passing plays. Austin Johnson did get a sack but didn't make much of a difference because the Giants could not stop them on third down and they just couldn't stop them overall. A pass to Olamide Zacchaeus. Uh, I remark on that because it was third and like 16. Yeah, third and 16 and a 14-yard pass. No, excuse me, it was second and 16. And then, a, you know, 13, 14-yard pass. And now the sudden it's third and short. I mean, listen, I'm all for, you know, not giving up the big play. But, you know, how do you let that happen? Just on the defensive game plan, on the execution, on the players. And on the coach as well. So you get all the way up to the NYG six-yard line. The Giants look like they could make a stop here. They don't. Logan Ryan pass interference penalty. I thought it was bad penalty at first, but he held the back of Kyle Pitts' jersey. Then two plays later, they find the end zone uh, with Lee Smith, the former Raiders, the former Bills tight end. So, you know, that's just the microcosm of the Giants' season. Extending drives with penalties and not stopping on defense. And obviously, once again, the score will say, well, the Giants' defense played well. They did play well at certain aspects of the game, but, you know, total execution wasn't on their side. Or I should say they didn't totally execute like last year's defense would have, my opinion. So the Giants get the ball back. Don't do anything with it, of course, because there is a play in there that kind of, uh, they kind of ruined the drive, but they also did get you know, what I was talking about earlier with Kenny Galladay and Daniel Jones drawing the penalty. Fabian Moreau called for a pass interference penalty. Uh, first down Giants. But two plays later, Nate Solder gets beat around the edge by Dante Fowler. He strips sacks Daniel Jones for a big loss. And, you know, there's actually a holding penalty on Solder. It's declined, obviously, because of the loss of field position. But, uh, you know... From there, the Giants were lifeless, and I think at that point you knew the Giants may not win this game. So, Atlanta obviously wins the game on the field goal. A couple of nice plays down the field. They, uh, Giants defense absolutely didn't stop them. That's the one of the things that I will blame on this Giants defense. 28-yard pass to Cordell Patterson two plays later, which basically ultimately kind of sealed the game. Uh, Kyle Pitts 25 yard pass and then they slowly got down the field more and more and more and more and then the young way cool field goal so uh, the Falcons did they deserve to win not really but they won they won they won the game so in terms of penalties let's talk about it I probably already discussed most of all of them but uh defensive pass interference on Radarius Williams Billy Price holding penalty even though the Giants scored on that drive with a field goal a Gary Brightwell personal foul unnecessary roughness penalty can't happen. Eli Penny false start, which already backed up the drive even more. I mean, I think that was the one drive where they had the botched snap, and then the false start kind of puts the icing on the cake of not getting a touchdown that drive, even though they are in the red zone. Um, from there, C.J. Board offensive pass interference when they're in their own grave, in their own territory, deep. Xavier McKinney, unnecessary roughness, extends the drive even more. Will Hernandez, the ineligible uh, person downfield. Ben Bradison, the holding penalty. But if a smart coach and, you know, if any other coach basically would have had that opportunity to accept the penalty, they would have. But Arthur Smith didn't. And we would have seen a lot of Falcon fans criticize him 
if the Giants won the game, if they would have went for that one play on the 39-yard line of Atlanta, but they didn't, and, you know, it's upsetting. But Logan Ryan, defensive pass interference in the end zone, Nate Solder holding, uh, which basically put the icing on the cake. It was declined, but anyway, uh, you know, that's the Giants. This year, a lot of penalties, undisciplined, unlike what Joe Judge promised. And he also said at FanFest, you're going to like what we put on the field this year. <laughs> That's funny. That's really funny. In terms of stock up and stock down, let's go into it. Daniel Jones had another good game. A couple of bad throws, but no passing touchdowns because of the way this offense was not executing and the way they were game planned. You know, no read options, uh, no run pass options. No passing touchdowns, unfortunate, unfortunate to say. And obviously this this really messes up his development, but I obviously think highly of Jones as of right now because he is somewhat able to come above this and have a good game, or have a decent game at least. I mean, he passed for 266 yards last year. In this situation, he would have passed for 190 yards. Saquon Barkley... Slightly better. I'm not going to say that, you know, it was a great game. But he did get a rushing touchdown. He did uh, have a good few plays where it was like a 15-yard gain, 12-yard gain. Not too much, though, because it was 3.2 yards per carry. He has been great other than those chunk plays. I mean, sometimes he's not hitting the hole. Sometimes the offensive line's not blocking. Colin Johnson, he had a big day. I think he had five receptions for 51 yards. Uh... You know, if any of these giant receivers are injured within the next week, maybe he takes Darius Slayton's role. I'm being way too blunt and way too negative about it, but if Slayton doesn't play, and even if he does play, put Colin Johnson in there. At least he won't drop a pass, at least from what we know right now. Kenny Galladay had a good day when he was targeted, drew two penalties. Andrew Thomas had a good day. Uh, Aziz Ojolari, he had a good day, in my opinion. One sack, one strip fumble. And if the Giants had more time on the clock, they would have executed. Or they should have executed if they did have more time on the clock. But one timeout and not great field position will do that to you. And Joe Judge, once again, pissing away timeouts like there's no tomorrow. Take Crowder, 11 tackles, maybe like one bad play. And it really wasn't defensive. It was just the fact that he was the signal caller and Patrick Graham was screaming at him on the sideline for screwing something up. But, uh... He had a good game. He had a good game, and I think that Dave Gettleman struck gold on that. Now, is he going to be the best linebacker in the league? Of course not, but uh, for the time being, for the rest of the 14 games that we have to play, I think Tay Crowder will play a good role. For Darius Williams, he wasn't bad. He wasn't bad, in my opinion. You know, obviously, the pass interference penalty, he did allow a reception to Tajay Sharp, but, um, you know, he wasn't bad. He wasn't horrific. He played from my understanding, good man coverage, and we didn't see Darnay Holmes at all, which is kind of unfortunate in the aspect that, hey, the Giants wasted a fourth-round pick on this guy, and he's not even playing, you know? He wasn't a healthy scratch, but he's not playing. And once again, Joe Judge, introductory press conference. Don't tell me what a player can't do. Tell me what he can do. Darnay Holmes, you drafted him in the fourth round. He didn't even play yesterday he wasn't a healthy scratch didn't even get a snap so and this is a six-round guy I'm not really you know ragging on Radarius Williams but come on 
Your sixth round pick is playing over your fourth round pick from last year. That's sad. Stock down. The rest of the old line played like shit. Will Hernandez didn't play well. Billy Price, eh. Ben Brayson didn't play well. Nate Solder didn't play well. And Jabril Peppers. Offenses, in my opinion, are finding ways to expose him. And he's not been the player he was last year. He's not the player he was last year. I don't know why. But uh, his play has gone down. And I'm very weary about signing him to an extension. I'm not for it right now. He needs to prove more things to me. And the way this team is going right now, who knows who we're going to sign to an extension. Because it might be time to blow it up. Anyway, let's talk about some notes. Joe Judge's discipline is not working. Three less penalties than last game, but it's still not good. Costing field position. The fundamentals not happening. You know, they're not there on the field because of bad snaps. Uh, someone asked on one play, hey, what play are we running again? I mean, how do you not have your offense this prepared? It's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. And he's that coach. It's not like he's just a coordinator or a quarterback's coach or a quality control coach. But he's the head coach. He's supposed to be overseeing everything, right? Not like a Pat Shermer, right? No, they're pretty much, in my opinion, the same person. He's Aaron Boone without a winning record, as I said. Despite improvement from last game, the defense is still far away. They're not living up to the expectation, and last year's defense would have not allowed that final drive from Atlanta. They would not have allowed Kyle Pitts to have that 25-yard reception. They would not have allowed Cordero Patterson to start off the drive with a 22-yard reception. They would not have allowed that. Uh, once again, frustrating, but that's on Patrick Graham. That's on the execution from the players. And once again, three dropped interceptions, one that could have really ended the game. But once again, the Giants not executing, no fundamentals, no nothing. Daniel Jones has a good game. Eli has a great ceremony. But the Giants still fuck both of them over. Well, yeah, that's the Giant way. They love to screw QBs over. Anything that looks like Eli Manning, they're just going to fuck. Okay, I hate to be graphic, but they're just going to fuck it. You know, Eli Manning uh, had a great ceremony. I watched it via thegiants.com. He had a great ceremony. It looked like he was emotional. But, uh, you know, nothing happened. Nothing happened. Nothing sparked the Giants. And I'm going to say what I said about the Yankees early on. This is not a serious team. This is not a serious team. Evan Ingram still sucks. I didn't hype him. A lot of Giants content creators took uh, the opportunity to hype him before the season. I didn't hype him. And this doesn't come as a surprise to me. Trade him at the deadline. If he has any value. Trade him for Peanuts and Cracker Jack. How about that? Uh, Jason Garrett's play calling worse than from last week. Mostly curls, no RPOs or read options, one deep shot. Yeah, same stuff from last year. How you don't use him in the running game, meaning Daniel Jones, is upsetting. It's upsetting. I think they should run more shotgun with Saquon Barkley, though he did have a couple of plays uh, that were chunky when Daniel Jones was under center. But my point to this is that, you know, in my opinion... My personal opinion, my personal feeling is that Jason Garrett and the Giants offensive coaching staff was scared that Atlanta would figure out the fact that Daniel Jones is mobile, so they didn't use Daniel Jones at all, other than the two-point conversion where nobody would figure that Daniel Jones would have a run on. But in my opinion, they were scared, and they didn't execute on that part. They didn't give him any run plays. 
and they were scared that Atlanta would figure them out. Well, how about this? You don't know that until you run one of those plays. If you run one, two of those plays and they stop you, okay, you you strand away from that. You be creative. If they don't stop you, you keep running it. Because the running game, though, was 100 yards, not great. Not great. And if you take Daniel Jones out of that equation, it's less than 100 yards by at least 30, in my opinion. Um, players are not executing. Penalties. Comes down to the players. A lot of underperforming. A lot of underperforming. It's not good. Radarius Williams earned more snaps than Darnay Holmes. I didn't even see Darnay Holmes play. It's mostly Radarius Williams. He played on the outside, and they were giving him a lot of snaps on the outside, which actually kind of surprised me uh, because you really don't start or at least put a rookie cornerback that's was that was drafted in the sixth round on the outside immediately unless you have serious cornerback issues. But I guess it's like, hey, listen, we're down. We're losing, you know. Uh, might as well give him the reps, right? I don't know. I guess they wanted to see what they had in him, which also makes the point. And my next point, if you're giving Radarius Williams shots to be the outside corner or one of the rotational outside corners, give Matt Parrott a shot. You drafted him in the third round a year ago. What happened? What happened to him? What is is he been non-existent? Did he get lost in the cornfields in Iowa? Did he get lost somewhere? Is he still in D.C.? Come on. Seriously, you're giving him a Darius Williams shots, but somebody who's your third-round pick from last year, you're not giving shots. Nate Solder is arguably, in my opinion, worse than him. How worse can Matt Parrott be? Who cares about development and winning at this point? Evaluation. Nate Solder is not going to be on the team next year, so might as well throw Matt Parrott into the fire, and you could have started him against the worst defense in the league or one of the worst defenses in the league with absolutely zero pass rush. I bet you, dollars to donuts, that Matt Parrott would have handled Dante Fowler better than Nate Solder. In my opinion, that fumble doesn't happen if Matt Parrott's on the field. My personal opinion. Anyway, (sighs) Pyramid of Blame. This is a fun one. This is an absolute fun one. Um, I might have slashes where I, you know, kind of include, you know, two coaches or two guys two people in like one thing of blame but i'll i'm obviously gonna blame someone more than the other so who gets the least amount of blame my opinion it's the players it's the players and i'm talking about problems on this team i'm not talking oh freddie kitchens is this and that and the other thing no in my opinion the players are the least of the problem they're the least of the problem though it's a problem you know, Dory Jackson dropping the interceptions. The plays aren't executing, but it's the least of the problem. So, and it's also on coaching. If I didn't mention that already, coaching. You know, coaches are there for a reason. A lot of players have regressed from last year. Bradbury, Williams, Lawrence. Lawrence doubled his sack total, but we're going to sit there and, and he's not going to be good. That's on coaching. That's on the players. Patrick Graham and Jason Garrett get the next level of blame. And this is ranking. If you want to, like, do numbers, if you don't want to do a pyramid, if you want to do numbers instead and ranking, you know, the blame. The players at four, Patrick Graham and Jason Garrett at three. In my opinion, I will blame Jason Garrett more than Patrick Graham, but this is, like, the coaching aspect. It's coaching aspect. It's over the coordinators. Uh, Patrick Graham, I apologize if you hear shit outside they decide to uh do the lawn mowing now or you know whatever they do now but anyway um patrick graham 
Defense is not the same as last year. He's been outcoached, outgameplanned, stuff like that. And uh, his players aren't executing, underperforming defense. That's why I blame him. Once again, I said this about 3,000 times in, in this podcast episode alone. Last year's defense would have stopped the Falcons on their final drive. They would not have kicked that field goal, in my opinion. And I think it's a fact, honestly, because, you know, if a lot of people recognize that and they'll actually talk about that, I think they will realize it's a fact. They they would have stopped the, the Atlanta Falcons on their final drive. Um, Jason Garrett, I blame even more than Patrick Graham, but Patrick Graham should get a slice of the blame pie. So it's kind of like a pyramid, but you got, you know, one size Patrick Graham, but this long, lengthy piece in the pyramid goes to Jason Garrett. The play calling was not great. A lot of the receptions were curls. No RPO, no run pass op- Well, run pass options, obviously RPO, but no run plays for Daniel Jones, no designed runs, being scared, coaching scared. And it hurts the offense, it hurts their development, it hurts the players, it hurts Daniel Jones and his development. Because this is a year we're supposed to find out Daniel Jones is the quarterback or not. I honestly, I haven't made a final decision, but I think he is the quarterback. I think he is the quarterback. Um, The next one. This is big. Joe Judge and Dave Gettleman. Now, there are parts where you can blame Dave Gettleman more. There are parts where you could blame Joe Judge more. Here's why I say they're almost equal. This isn't a terrible roster in terms of talent. This isn't a terrible roster, in my opinion. They're underperforming so much. That's on Joe Judge. However, you're in the Saquon Barkley situation. You haven't really provided the greatest amounts of talent in terms of offensive line and it took you how many years to draft a wide receiver and get actual offensive linemen and we're not even there yet in terms of talent on the offensive line around um daniel jones that's dave gettleman that's dave gettleman you know we can blame the coaching aspect on judge and the overseeing aspect of the game plans and this is also you know joe judge worked with dave gettleman so we're gonna sit here and i know giants twitter will go off and say, well, you know, this is not Joe Judge's fault, it's Dave Gellman's fault. I've accepted the fact, based on narratives, that it's both of them in terms of the draft. I've accepted that. That both have control in terms of draft picks, and in terms of who they bring in. Because if you say that about Joe Judge, you have to say it as well about Pat Sherman and all of them. But Dave Gettleman should have been smarter. And also, this is the coach that Dave Gettleman hired. Despite John Mara, despite Steve Tisch, who doesn't even show up to anything. Uh, you know, Dave Gettleman. This is a coach that he hired. So, um, not happy about that. Not happy that both of these guys aren't succeeding. I'm not happy that this team isn't succeeding. Because I wanted to be so right on Joe Judge and Dave Gettleman. And I know a lot of people are down on Dave Gettleman, and I like his antics, you know, uh, a pad of it, this, that, and the other thing. But when it comes to business, he hasn't been good. Both of them haven't been good. Once again, this isn't a terrible roster in terms of talent. The players aren't executing. The coaches aren't helping them. But in terms of Saquon Barkley, the O-line, the talent around Daniel Jones, picking the head coach, that head coach picking the coaching staff, that's on Dave Gettleman. And the next guy, the next two guys, really, at number one is John Marin, Steve Tisch. We can all go back to the 2015 season 
where they basically let Tom Coughlin go, they forced him out, and then you hired Ben McAdoo, which was a mistake. You let Jerry Reese stay too long, mistake. You let Dave Gettleman hire Pat Shermer, who showed in the past that he wasn't a good head coach. He was just a quarterback guru, mistake. Mistake after mistake after mistake after mistake. And John Mara, other than the Coughlin thing, he ruined Eli's career. He ruined Eli's career by letting too many people stay too long and too many people develop so-called talent around Eli Manning that wasn't talent. Mark Ross, Jerry Reese, uh, and they didn't make a proper roster evaluation in 2018, which set this team back. And they are in a time warp in terms of the philosophy of this team. Teams around the NFL are changing. And this also falls apart on Joe Judge and Dave Gettleman. And you could say Jason Garrett as well. But this team is stuck in a time warp in terms of philosophy. The Chiefs, I hate to point to this. I hate to point to this. But the Chiefs, the Browns, uh, a couple other teams across the league, they built their offensive lines like this. I can't snap. But they built their offensive lines like this. You know, they had Eric Fisher go. Mitchell Schwartz is still a free agent. They had uh, many other guys go on that offensive line. Austin Ryder is now a New Orleans Saint. But they got Trey Smith, who's the right guard. Six-round pick that they took a chance on. They got Joe Tooney, who was the top free agent in the 2021 class. They got Orlando Brown in a trade. They depended on Lucas Niang, who opted out last year, but it was a third-round pick, I think, out of TCU. And he's working out good for them, even though they did lose on Sunday against the Chargers. But this team is stuck in a time warp in terms of development. They are just slow in terms of philosophy. And that goes on a lot of things. That goes on a lot of things. And it just pains me because I want this team to succeed but we have to point out the facts. And this whole thing is something you're not going to get from other content creators. And if you do, great for them. Good for them. But if you want equal blame, if you want to hear the actual truth and who you should blame, listen to this. Go over the last couple of minutes of what I just said. Because in my opinion, it's a proper analysis of what's been going on these last couple of years and who to blame for this whole dumpster fire, for lack of better words. So, final thoughts. In terms of Daniel Jones, and I know there's a lot of people talking about, you know, different things about getting a QB and uh, basically ripping down the roster, ripping it down, stuff like that. Here's how I would go about it. I hate talking about this, but it has to be talked about. Saquon Barkley, trade him at the deadline if you can find a partner. Evan Ingram, trade him at the deadline if you can find a partner. If you can find a partner, trade Jarrell Peppers at the deadline. Because you're not extending him. The way that the, this coaching staff does not like Jarrell Peppers, at least this year, you're not resigning him, so just trade him. Get something for him. Compensatory pick doesn't mean shit. It means shit for the next draft after 2022. So might as well right now trade those players that you know are not going to be a part of the future of this team and evaluate. In terms of Daniel Jones, I sound like a Sam Truther. I sound like a Sam Truther. But, keep him. 
What quarterback in the class of 2022 absolutely excites you? Malik Willis, they're talking about all oh, 10 touchdowns. He's lighting up for Liberty. They play teams like the Raging Cajuns and the fucking Citadel. They don't play the Citadel, but it's a point. You know, you want to talk about, oh, Daniel Jones is a Duke QB. Yeah, what's Malik Willis? You know, Keaton Slovis out of USC is a project. Some of the other guys, Matt Coral, he's a project. A lot of these other guys, projects. They're not Trevor Lawrence. They're not some of these other touted prospects. In free agency, Derek Carr, the way he's playing, he's not, he's not going anywhere else. He's going with the Raiders. He's going to stay there for probably perhaps the end of his career, for the totality of the rest of his career. He's staying there. Aaron Rodgers, even if he does go uh, out of Green Bay, He's going to a contender. He's not going to a rebuilding team. So stop getting your hopes up on that one. It's not happening. Tyrod Taylor, he's a good QB. He's a decent QB. He's a bridge QB, though, at this point in his career. He's not a starter. I mean, he played well in that game. Game and a half, I should say, for the uh, Texans against the, uh, the Jaguars. And I don't know who they faced week two, but he played well. He played well. He looked good. Um, but he's a bridge quarterback. Once again, he's in his 30s. He's basically, at this point in his career, been riddled by injuries. And that's not good, especially when you have, you know, you, you put all your money or you put all your faith into a quarterback who's the leader of your team. And that's, that's what I have to say about that. So keep Daniel Jones and build around him. That's the philosophy I want for this team. And you know what, New York Giant fans? I'm going to say this right now. You can start looking in the draft. You could start looking into mock drafts and all these other things, right? Do not tank. Do not have the mentality to tank. You have the mentality to tank. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm not going to consider you a real fan. Tank for Thibodeau. Tank for this. Tank for uh, Sam Howell. Okay. Let's let's demonstrate something. Let's paint the picture. Trevor Lawrence looks like shit right now. Let's be honest. And he's in a shitty situation. So why would they tank for him? Urban Meyer's a terrible head coach. Why would Jaguars tank for him why would Jaguar fans want to tank for him and he's in a shittier situation right now he honestly should have stayed in school um Chase Young remember the tank for Chase Young train remember all the fans and some of the content creators want to go on that train he has one quarterback hit this year he has like six seven tackles and one quarterback hit I don't know how many pressures but he right now is not living up to the hype. He's not even the best edge rusher on his team. Montez Sweat is. So don't give me this tank bullshit. Oh, tank for this. Because that's Jet fan mentality. That's Jaguar fan mentality. That's Detroit Lion fan mentality. Don't give me that. I know we're in a bad spot right now in terms of the team we root for. But don't go ahead and say tank. Because you know what? If you want to tank, you should be rooting for teams like the Jags, the Jets. Root for your team to win. I thought we were above this as fans. I'm not about outside perception at all. But if the organization tanks, let's just say they listen to what some Giant fans say, who's going to come here the next couple of years? Do you think if Kayvon Thibodeau enters the draft and you know all these sorts of other things, that he's going to want to go to a tanking team? He's going to be like, ah, I, don't, I don't feel good about the Giants. Maybe I ought to do an Eli Manning. No. So no tanking. Go ahead, look at your draft prospects and stuff like that, but no tanking. If you're, you want to tank, go root for the Jets. Go root for the Jags. Go root for the Lions. Go root for some of these other teams. Go root for the Bears. 
go root for other teams. So, you know what? I'm just done with the tanking mentality. But overall, that's my thoughts on the game. That's my thoughts on the philosophy. If you guys haven't already, hit that like button, comment, subscribe, turn on post notifications so you know when live stream positive video drops. More content, more announcements coming out throughout the week. I should have something finalized and I'll make an announcement. Probably make a video in terms of the blame pyramid. Maybe make it its own separate video. But I appreciate the people who uh, have subscribed, viewed, stuff like that. Remember, only 35% of you guys on YouTube have subscribed. So please, help out the algorithm. Uh, turn on that notification bell. Help out the algorithm and attract more people so we can interact with more people. You know, We like engaging with the viewers on like a lot of the channels. Um, so peace out guys. See you later. Stay cool. And you know what? At least the Yankees are doing good. Peace.